Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast Care Package to Japan, where we showcase God's love for Japan through stories of people. I am your host, Evangeline, and let's get started with today's episode. So, hey guys, thank you for tuning into another episode of Care Package to Japan. Our guests today are Chris and Emily, and they are some of the most authentic human beings that I know. They are OMF missionaries currently located in the Boston area, and they're waiting for the Japanese border to open up so that they can go to Japan. So, today they will be sharing with us their journey so far. So, yeah, Chris and Emily, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. We're good. doing well. Yeah. So, I know you guys a little bit,、um, but I'm sure there are lots of people in the audience that don't know who you guys are. So, do you guys mind giving the audience a brief introduction to who you guys are? Who is Chris? Who is Emily? What are you guys about? Sure. Go first, Chris. Sure.、Uh, hi, I'm Chris. Uh, I uh, am in my early 40s.、Uh, we married to Emily, obviously, and we have two sons.、Uh, I was born in the US in Chicago,、uh, went to elementary school in Texas,、uh, went to middle school in the first part of high school in Hong Kong, and the last part of high school in Connecticut. And then after graduating from high school, I came to Boston for school, and I got so sick of moving around that I've lived in Boston ever since, which now has been. Uh, quite a long time. Uh, <laughs>、um, so, uh, uh, after graduating from school,、uh, I graduated with an engineering degree.、Uh, I worked for Bose for、uh, 16 years as an engineer. And、uh, in 2016, I left my job to go to seminary at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary、uh, with the hope of、uh, serving the Lord overseas、uh, after that. And,、uh, And now、uh, our family is on our way to, to moving to Japan. Yep. Are you doing,、uh, um, quick question Were you doing hardware or software?、Um, I was doing kind of a signal processing, which is a, a, a branch of electrical engineering, which is kind of a cross between math and some software, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. For the audience, these people are really, 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 really smart. So, <laughs> Chris and Emily, you guys are awesome. Yeah. All right, Emily. <laughs> Your turn. Thanks.、Um, like Chris, I actually was born in the US. Actually, we're Chinese American.、Uh, so, our parents were immigrants and、uh, they came here for, for、uh, education. And I was born in New Jersey, moved to Arizona, then to Colorado, then to California. And、uh, after which I also landed in the Boston area、uh, for school. And that's where I actually met Chris.、Um, we actually knew each other in college. And、uh, then,、um, due to our mutual, many mutual th-、uh, things that we enjoyed, but one of which was、uh, our love for God and the nations and his view of the nations. And、um, so after we both graduated, I also got an engineering degree. I、uh, focused more on computer science,、uh, after which I ended up at MIT working in the International Students Office. 
And there I managed their software systems and other technical things. But eventually uh, I got involved in the international student advising side. And that really expanded my horizons and my perspective, just meeting people from over 130 countries. Um, that really gave, you know, God really increased my love for what I could even understand about na the nations and for each person from different a different country. Um, and then uh, after some introspection and searching, Chris, after Chris decided to quit his job to go to seminary, um, we embarked on a journey to discover where God might call us to be in somewhere in the world. And after we took a short trip to Japan in 2018, I also uh, felt compelled to quit my job and I ended up in seminary in 2019. And I just graduated in 2020. So we are now waiting in a season of waiting and learning Japanese, a lot of Japanese, <laughs> um, to go to Japan, hopefully soon. Yeah. Um... Chris, do you mind talking a little bit about your decision of quitting your full-time job and plunge into seminary? Like, yeah, can you tell us, give us, give us a little background around like what sparked that kind of like, it's like, yes, I need to quit my job. I need to go get a seminary degree. I need to like, I want to be in full-time ministry. Or did you know you were you wanted to go into full-time ministry? Yeah, that, that that's a really good question. Uh, I can give you a long, short answer or a longer answer. Maybe I'll try for medium. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> um, good. So if we go all the way back to college, or actually even all the way back to high school, I, I think God had really put on my heart an interest in missions and the nations like Emily referred to earlier, all the way for me back in middle school. And part of that might be, be you know, uh, living in Hong Kong and going to an international school and just being surrounded by people from all over the world and just uh, getting a firsthand glimpse of just how much uh, people need to know Jesus uh, ever since I was young. And so I had this plan uh, in high school of uh, going to get an engineering degree and then working as a tent maker in uh, certain countries that are harder to uh, be open about being Christian in. Uh, but then I really wrestled during college and also after college uh, with respect to uh, what my gifts were. I, I wrestled some with depression. I wrestled with uh, just feeling like I, I wasn't cut out to, to going overseas. Uh, I, you know, I had this impression that people who go overseas are super entrepreneurial, super outgoing, super type A, and I'm just super risk averse and super conservative. And so I think after college, I kind of went into this mode of, you know, thinking, saying or thinking to myself, God, you know, I'll go if you call me, but there's no way you're calling me just because there's no way that I have the gifts or the skills to be able to do those those kinds of things to, to be like a frontier missionary type person. And so this went on for some time, uh, for more than a decade, I guess. And then maybe around 2011, 2012, uh, after our second son was born, um, God really started to challenge me. And he started to challenge me in three ways. Uh, the first way was he started to ask me, how do you know you're not called if you're not actually actively looking to see whether you're being called? And God was kind of pointing out that I was just accepting that, um, that you know, I, I am who I, or my circumstances are my circumstances, and I wasn't actually looking to explore where he might be leading us. The second thing he pointed out uh, was really that my, my 
my belief that I wasn't called to be a missionary really stemmed from my own lack of faith. Um, a lack of faith that in which um, I didn't truly believe that God could work through me. I didn't truly believe God could work through through who I was, and and actually that I was trusting in uh, my ability to, to 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 create financial security for my family, my ability to create uh, relational stability for my family, and stuff like that. Um, and and that part of the reason why I wasn't willing to look to see where God was calling me and us as a family uh, was because I, I really just wasn't demonstrating faith that He could provide for our family. And then the last thing He pointed out was. Um, that it was really a sense of pride, uh, maybe inverted pride, but pride all nevertheless, uh, that was causing me to think that I didn't have those gifts to be a missionary. And uh, God pointed out that he brought me to uh, to, to 2 Corinthians 12, where Paul talks about uh, the thorn in his side. And um, and then later Paul writes, uh, Paul talks about how he asks God to take away this thorn and God doesn't do it. And then Paul writes, that Jesus said to the Lord said to him, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. Uh, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness so that the power of Christ may remain upon me. And God really challenged me through this verse in pointing out that it's not about what I think my strengths are. It's about how God can work through our weakness in which, and that is how God is most glorified. And so, uh, you know, this is 2011 to 2012. So we went through, but Emily and I talked and we went through a bunch of different possibilities of praying about where God might be leading us. I I talked with my uh, work about possibly moving us overseas someplace and and for for a variety of different reasons that didn't work out. And so in 2015, we kind of found ourselves at another crossroads and we kind of said, well, you know, we can kind of interpret these crossroads is maybe God's calling us to still stay here in the U.S. And yet that didn't seem to be what God was laying on our hearts. And so as we prayed, we sensed that maybe God was calling uh, me to, uh, to get some training and go to seminary. And some of this was also spurred on by chatting with a friend of ours, uh, someone who works as a tent maker somewhere overseas. And he was sharing how as he uh, finds himself in positions of leadership and teaching, uh, he wishes he'd taken more time to take classes uh, to get more uh, theological uh, foundation for, for what he's doing now. And and so based on his advice and based on our, uh, discerning where God is guiding us, that's how I ended up going to seminary. And, and that would end up being a great time, not only of learning, but also of uh, a time of discerning where else, where God was leading us further into the future. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your journey and your story, because um, I know a lot of our listeners are a little bit on the younger side. And I think, I think, what you mentioned about like wrestling and reckoning with our weaknesses before the Lord. Like I personally really resonate with that because like, like COVID and all the, all these reasons, um, like I feel like I am going through a season of depression and like, sometimes it's hard for me to reckon like God, like how can you use my weakness? Um, but I would just really encourage hearing your testimony and sharing, um, how God has led you through what you perceived as your weakness. Um, so yeah, I just, I really appreciate you sharing that. Like, thank you, Chris. You know. Thanks. Yeah. Emily, do you mind sharing a little bit about, cause I know Chris mentioned that actually Chris and Emily, whoever wants to share, um, can you guys talk about how you first landed in like, Ooh, Japan might be, might be a place. Um, I think, 
I think from previous conversation, um, it was it was Chris who first took like a trip there, right? Or yep, yeah, yeah. Maybe Chris can talk about his business trips first. Yeah, sure. Actually, Japan really wasn't on our radar uh, for a long time. Uh, my perception of Japan for the longest time were, you know, they make good products, and because uh, both of us are second generation Chinese Americans. Um, the, the other impression I had Japan was, oh, they were the ones who invaded China during World War II. And so um, I worked, I mentioned before, I worked for Bose as an engineer and uh, I worked in the automotive division within Bose. And so all of my business trips were either to Japan, Detroit or Germany for the most part. Um, and so uh, I, my first trip to Japan, I remember my first business trip was in 2004. And I remember landing there and getting off the plane, uh, exiting Narita Airport and waiting for the bus to take us uh, into Tokyo. And having this sense of surrealism in the sense of like, for my whole life, I'd been told how, you know, Japan was the country that invaded China. And suddenly I, I was sitting in that country surrounded by Japanese people and just feeling the sense of, sense of surrealism of like, these are the people who I was told, you know, had done all these bad things to China, you know, 60, 70 years ago. And that was kind of where I started, which he would say isn't necessarily a strong foundation for uh, developing a love for Japan and wanting to go there for missions and wanting to, to see people come to know Christ. And yet um, over the next you know, 16 years, for 14 years, 15 years, something like that, um, I was brought back there repeatedly uh, every one or two years or three years uh, for business trips, spending there. And usually I'd go for two weeks at a time and have the weekends. And on the weekends, I'd go out, I'd go to church, I'd meet people, I'd, I'd see things. And just through all those trips, God started to, to work on my heart. And I still hadn't in my head cognitively thought about, oh, yes, I want to you know, become a missionary to Japan. But God was using those times to kind of show, to break my heart for the country, to see how much need there was. Um, to see the spiritual darkness in the country and, and how few people there know Christ, um, how few people there know that the hope that we have um, in Christ uh, for, for the present and in eternity. Um, you know, a lot of the, the places you go for tourism in Japan are either Shinto shrines or Buddhist temples. And so when you show up to the Shinto shrine, the Buddhist temple, you see people there praying, uh, putting up placards with prayer requests, uh, just hoping for something. And, and all that really started to, 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 to break my heart and, and to, to want to see people know God more there. Um, yeah. yeah, when uh, Chris came back and he, he started seminary, actually that first year, he actually met a bunch of um, Japanese Christians who came to seminary. And he came home one day and I remember him saying, hey, Emily, what do you think about going to Japan? And uh, I got to confess to you that I was like, uh, no, that's that's not an option. How can that be an option? <laughs> um, you know, I, you know what Chris was kind of sharing about the impression of his Japan from his family background really also resonates with me. You know, frankly, um, when when Chris and I told um, my parents that he was going to go to seminary, my mom actually so as a Chinese immigrant, she actually was really affirming. She said, you know, Emily, I've actually been praying about this for a long time. And um, in high school, I just felt God pressing on me that you would become a full-time, you would go into full-time ministry. And that was so encouraging uh, for many reasons. But the funny thing is right after she said that, she said, oh, but anywhere but Japan, okay? <laughs> and 
you know, to put that in context, it is it, it is very difficult. The generational kind of uh, prejudice and history. There's a lot of complicated stuff, and to be completely honest, like that gets passed down, right? So, you know, of course, I appreciated Japan for all its beauty and its arts, and you know, the different things that we know and food, of course. But I think it was really hard for me to wrap my heart, my head, around really loving Japanese people. And that in itself actually was something that I felt very, very convicted by. I think God really convicted me um, when we went to Japan together as a family in 2018. I think through that time of discernment, Chris said, hey, I, I think, you know, as a family we prayed, okay, well, we can't like rule out Japan. So let's go together to Japan for a few weeks. Let's um, do a sort of short-term ministry prayer slash vision trip and see where God leads us. And I just remember in 2018 when we were landed there, we actually took a prayer journey around the Tohoku region, which is the region that was hardest hit by the tsunami in 2011. And just as I think God was really changing me as I like looked out, right? It's not just the people. It's not just the shrines, not just the temples. It's also an area that was hit so hard by natural disaster. And one of the things that um, God kept reminding me was like, these are my sheep. These are my people. And um, I, in that time, I reflected back that when Japan was actually hit by the tsunami, I remember that God really kind of started pressing on me that we need to pray for the country, right? Because the natural disaster hit. And at the time I also prayed, oh God, uh, would you also open up our hearts to have compassion for the country of Japan? And little did I know that years later, that would be how God also pressed me. And uh, in Japan, I think I recognized a couple things. One, you know, my prejudice against the country was not limited just toward racism or war. It was actually also prejudice. I also had prejudice because it was a very, it's a very wealthy country, right? It's well known for its technological advancements and economic power. But those are exactly the things that people, it, when people get those things, that does not bring them to Christ. Right? The only thing people really need is Christ. And so I was blinded right, by not only my prejudice, but also my prejudice toward its wealth. And uh, when I came back from Japan, you know, I was really, uh, I really struggled because I loved my career. And though I was sure we wanted to go uh, somewhere else in ministry, uh, I started recognizing that God was really uh, pressing me to lay down uh, those those barriers that I had put up in, within myself. So actually I came back and that's when I quit my job to, to go to seminary, um, to be trained and to have a biblical foundation uh, so that we could go to Japan. Wow, that's so beautiful. Thank you so much um, for just like sharing your heart and how God has led you um and I, I feel like really like develop this deep love and longing for the japanese people to know christ and 
I know that both Chris and you, both Chris and Emily, um, like the journey was kind of like together, but also independent. Can you talk a little bit about like as a couple, how did you guys get in sync with that calling? Does that question make sense? Because like, oh, totally. Okay. Okay. Like I'm not married. So, (laughs) but it's like, I would imagine if I'm married, it's like, oh, by the way, I think God is calling me to Japan, but like, Hey wifey, like, I'm not sure if God has placed that on your heart either. (laughs) Yeah. That's such a super, it's a super perceptive question. (laughs) The first month that we were in seminary, uh, we attended this ice cream social event at, and I think on a Friday evening that the missions uh, uh, department was holding at seminary. And uh, during that social, everyone was gathered around tables and then they had everyone introduce themselves. But what they did is they had us talk to someone else and we would have to introduce each other. And so the person we were sitting with was another Japanese Christian, was a Japanese Christian and we were sharing, but we we're talking and then suddenly we realized we had to introduce ourselves. So, so he started introducing Emily and I, um, but we were kind of prompting him at the time because we didn't really fully get into all the questions that we were supposed to share. And so he was like, oh, this is Chris and Emily and they're, and has, and they're interested in Japan because we've been talking about Japan. And then, but then at the time, you know, we weren't totally sure about that yet. So, so Emily was like, oh, but maybe not. And then <laughs> my friend said, he basically said something along the lines of, oh, it seems like there might be some conflict with respect to what they're interested in. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, yeah, I, I I mean, I think because for a long time, um, when we met each other in college, we went on a short-term trip to a, to a close country um, to teach English. And for a long time, as I mentioned, I, you know, uh, even in high school, I had this vision of uh, work, you know, getting an engineering degree and working as a tent maker in, in, in a certain country. And uh, both Emily and I thought that if we went anywhere, it would be to this country. <laughs> uh, and Japan kind of wasn't on our radar until um, even as God was breaking my heart for Japan and showing me, you know, the need and, and ca- causing me to build relationships with with people in Japan and and and, and making Japan much more real and human and uh, uh, and to, to me, Japan still wasn't on our radar in terms of missions until uh, perhaps either the year before I went to seminary or the first year of sem- while I was in seminary. Yeah. And so, like Emily said, that kind of came as a surprise. Yeah. You know. It- uh, I mean, like many other conflicts <laughs> that couples have, uh, especially about like major decisions in life, you know, there's many things that could go in there, right? Like buy a car, buying a house, figuring out what to do with jobs. I think um, we we had to have a lot of time in conversation, a lot of time in prayer together. Um, really helped actually to have some really good friends who were, were very like-minded and um Actually, when Chris first brought up the idea of going on a short-term trip to Japan during his seminary years, he actually intended to go alone. (laughs) And uh, when our friends heard that, they were like, hey, they actually uh, brought us together. We were hanging out one afternoon and they're like, you know, I just, Chris and Emily, I think you, you need to go together. You can't, you know, that the worst thing would be for Chris to go. He's all passionate and on fire for Japan and you never went, you don't even, you, you didn't get a chance, Emily, to process that. And so um, I think that was very instrumental to us working through that. Um, it was really meaningful for us as a family to be serving together. Um, I could only go for two to three weeks because of my work schedule, but uh, we brought our kids with us and we were able to serve, you know, a little bit within a, 
a church plant um, in Japan. And I think uh, that a sense of togetherness and praying for the people in, in a specific way and experiencing together was really instrumental, right? So even though I had my own journey I had to process through and Chris had his own journey to process through, like it was important for us to come together at that point. Um, to experience something together and to to let God work on us. And I would actually say it's more than just Chris and I. Like we also felt very compelled because our kids were in elementary school at that time. Are still in, uh, one of them is still in elementary school, but we felt really compelled that the kids also had to be part of that journey as well. Yeah, and I love to hear a little bit about like, as you guys landed where you're at today, how has your relationship with God kind of morphed or changed or evolved? Or how has he shown up to you guys? Like, how would you describe that throughout the throughout the process of mm-hmm. one, like getting the calling and two, discerning and three, like coming together as a family of like, this is this is what we're this is why we're here on earth. Like, this is what we're meant to do. I mean, there's many things you guys are supposed to do on earth or like <laughs> purpose for, for mm-hmm. um, not, not just like your identities, of course, like not just, um, just a missionary. Um, but I love to hear about like how God has revealed himself um, to you guys. Um, it can be this particular season, but just like, I more so want to hear about like throughout, like in retrospect of like thinking back um, throughout the many years of just like discerning and figuring out this calling. Um, yeah. 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 I, I feel like as I look back, I mean, one of the things that I'm very confident of is that uh, where we are right now is only the beginning. Um, the journey is is, is we're just scratching at the surface. And the reason I say that is, as I look back on, on the past decade or so, um, as we've been going through this process of trying to discern where God is leading us, uh, one of the things that I'm really thankful for is just uh, God moving in us to, to take small steps of faith. And I, th- I think for some people, you know, when it comes to discernment and 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 figuring out where it is that God is leading, you know, God convicts them of, you know, do this and they make this huge jump, you know, like, you know, biblically, you can say like Moses, you know, God appeared to him in burning bush and he went from, you know, being a shepherd to going and going to Israel and, and leading them out of Egypt. Uh, but I think for us, our, our story is a little bit different from that in the sense of um, maybe because God knew just how weak our faith is um, and how stubborn and how 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 much control we feel like we need in our lives. Um, he, he's been very patient with us. And so for us, uh, our journey so far has been a bunch of small steps of faith, um, you know, a willingness to do, you know, um, you know, at the beginning, it might've just been going into my boss and saying, hey, I wanna be transferred overseas. Um, and, you know, that's not really that big of a risk, right? I mean, the worst that could happen is I, I lose my job and have to find another job. Um, but but th- th- it's not a big risk in the sense of that I'd still be doing the job that I've been have, have always been doing. And, and I would still be gaining experience and continue to be able, be able to progress my career. Um, but I think God was patient and he kind of said, okay, why don't you take this first step of faith? And what I've seen in our lives is that as God has challenged us to take small steps of faith, even if the directions that we're heading in at that time aren't where he is ultimately leading us, um, just him moving in us to be willing to be moved uh, uh, 
has given has been the means by which God has has pushed us forward and then redirected us and then redirected us and then redirected us. It's like it seems like when we were stagnant, it's a lot harder to move than if you're moving, then you can kind of just tap lightly, tap lightly to, 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 to shift and, and course correct. And, and so I've kind of seen our journey the last t- 10 years has been kind of really small steps of faith and God redirecting until when we look back, it seems like it's been a, a larger step than we initially anticipated that we would ever take. And so as I look forward, I can only imagine that it'll continue to be God challenging us to take continued small steps of faith and God continuing to redirect and continuing to course correct us as he continues to lead us into the future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely, I, I completely agree with Chris. It's been, if someone had asked me, you know, like 10 years, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, oh, where will you be? I, there's no way I would have said we're going to head to Japan as missionaries. And yet, like, isn't that kind of the beautiful part of it, I think? Because I think one thing in, in these kind of decades of discipleship is maybe is the best way to put it. I just feel like, man, it's so hard to continue to be obedient. It's so hard to continue to put your faith and trust in God. And yet it's so beautiful. Like in each step, he still reminds, this is when I was faithful. This is when I was faithful. This is when I was faithful. And I would say the same thing for the COVID season, to be honest. Like it's it's honestly been a little discouraging. Um, you know, every step of faith we we think we're taking uh, it's coupled with, you know, it's coupled with, with, you know, amazing, like it's a wonderful gift, but it also comes with loss, right? Like it was a huge loss for me to put down my identity as a, a career person in higher ed. I loved working with my international students and it was really tough for us to move out of the house that our kids were born in. Uh, it was really tough to tell our kids they're going to move away from all their friends. Um, and, you know, that difficulty doesn't go away in some ways, right? Like it, it always exists. The loss exists. But, man, that continued push toward obedience, right? Like God, you know, uh, like our God doesn't require just sacrifice, right? He He requires obedience and and I think like that, that has been a reoccurring theme uh, for us as well uh, in this journey, right? Like that, like, like Chris was saying, right? Like it's, if you're stagnant, you're not even responding to God's prompting. But if you're responding, then God can continue to prompt you through your obedience each step. And, and where he leads, you know, uh, it's a surprise to us, but it's not a surprise to him, right? So. Yeah, like I will say something that I so appreciate about you two is how self-aware you both are. Um, I think what I mean by that is coming from, particularly coming from like the East Asian culture, a lot of times there's a lot of serving out of shame and guilt within the church. Um, But what I find with you two is that like, I feel like you guys are self aware to the point of like yes like i am willingly laying this down rather than like oh i'm doing this out of um guilt and shame and i just personally want to like honor and thank you guys for that because i think um the church needs healthy healthy leaders um that are authentic are able to share both their strength and weakness um 
so yeah, I just, I want to recognize that and say thank you. Um, I really appreciate that, appreciate that about um, you guys. And I love for you guys to dig a little bit. Um, I, I mean, I, I've personally been following you guys on your newsletters and et cetera, um, but for the audience that kind of don't know and how has the journey been for you guys since knowing that you guys are going to Japan, but um, things get, keeps getting deferred, deferred, deferred. And to give the audience a little bit of context, um, Chris and Emily, they, you know, have have the okay from OMF to go to Japan to be missionaries, but um, obviously due to COVID and um, Japan's border being closed, um, they've had to defer their launch date many, many times. Um, yeah, Chris and Emily, do you guys mind talking a little bit about that? Like, how how are you guys able to? process through that and at the same time like hold on to hope um through all of that just like emotion and frustration and sadness yet also hoping um yeah yeah uh thanks so much for your words of encouragement evangeline it's really uh we really appreciate that um yeah you know uh (laughs) so we when we first started, not when we first started, but when we started the journey with OMF to go to Japan, it was um, October of 2019. And of course, that's before the pandemic, right? Hit the COVID pandemic hit. And um, so in 2020, we were in kind of our period of preparation to go. And we thought, okay, well, we'll see where God leads us. We spent most of our kind of preparation journey meeting with others through Zoom, which in itself was its own you know, there's a loss there, right? You, uh, we really missed seeing um, like our brothers and sisters in person and sharing our passion for Japan in that journey. Um, but we aimed to leave for Japan um, basically the end of 2020. And then we actually booked our tickets for January of 2021. And uh, unlike uh, Japan, was very is very strict with their border control so one of the ways in the which they have kind of managed their pandemic response is that they have opened and closed its borders to different groups of people uh, generally they'll always open to its own citizens but uh, outside of that uh, there is some variety and so in <laughs> in november of, of 2020 actually japan reopened its borders for the first time after it closed during the summer and uh, we thought we were going to be ready to go so we booked our tickets for january we sent in our visa application i was going to finish my seminary we got everything ready and uh the day after christmas japan announced that they would close their borders in one week so but that if you had your visa you could get in now our visa was actually in the middle of processing so we didn't have it so we could not leave so in January, we said, okay, well, this is in your hands, God, right? Um, we <laughs> postponed our tickets to February, and then the borders are still closed. We postponed our tickets to March, then to May, then to August, then to... Actually, in August, we had to cancel our tickets because of... Uh, um, it was too expensive to rebook. And then uh, finally in... Uh, 
October of 2020, Japan announced that they would reopen its borders for long-term residents. That was the visa type we were applying for. And so we started our process again. It was super exciting. We got all our stuff together. We went to the consulate. Um, In the meanwhile, we actually had started with OMF remotely. So we had started our orientation. We joined the field remotely. We joined the conferences and we started studying Japanese remotely. Um, And it was kind of like, I don't know if you watch Groundhog Day, but it was a little deja vu uh, on Thanksgiving Day. You know, we had all these things prepared. Our our visa again was at the embassy, uh, at the consulate, and uh, Thanksgiving Day, Omicron was announced uh, in the you know uh, worldwide. And uh, I remember looking at Chris and just saying, "Oh no, this is this is not good." And Chris is like, "Can we move our tickets earlier?" Because we had booked for mid December, and um, again. Within a week or so, Japan closed its borders. So it has been a real roller coaster ride of emotions for us. Um, now we're kind of in this next period. And uh, we got to be honest with you, it was really, really disappointing. Uh, it was disappointing, obviously, in January 2021. But it was it's equally, if not more, disappointing, I think, in December of 2021. And I think... Like you say, like the disappointments there, right? And I think what we have been learning is we've been learning to embrace the disappointment, the grief, the frustration. And in embracing that, at the same time, equally, we praise God, right? Because in this last year, even though we had all this disappointment, I mean, there are things that we didn't know would come up, right? Like... Actually, I had a pretty major health issue come up that I was able to, like, I I really praise God. Like, it's this perfect timing because I was able to manage my health issue over this last year. And I was able to do it in English, in a health system that I knew. I mean, that's just one thing, you know. I think another thing is, like, actually, there is uh, moments where we could really um, be part of the ministry at our church, especially when everything shut down. And so I think there's just a lot of things we could go through. Probably don't have a ton of time, but uh, yeah. Yeah, I I think as we look back on the year, obviously, like Emily said, there's been a lot of disappointment, a lot of frustration, uh, sometimes anger, uh, sometimes depression, uh, sometimes anxiety over uh, being constantly delayed. And yet, uh, if we take a step back and really reflect, uh, we've seen over and over again God's faithfulness Mm -hmm. over this last year. Uh, we've seen God's faithfulness in the ways in which He's worked in us personally. Um, you know, we're we're second generation Chinese Americans. We we came out of this really high achieving kind of m- mentality of needing to have everything in our control, and so to have everything wrested from our control. Uh, and what does that mean for how we live? And what does that mean for our faith? Uh, God has really been challenging us and working in us uh, uh, in the areas of really seeking to humble ourselves and to give our anxieties over to him, like, like he writes in 1 Peter 5, um, and, and, and to really understand and, and trust and to know that God is faithful, that God cares for us, that God is there. And so we've seen how God has worked in our own character in this way. Uh, like Emily like mentioned, we've, we've seen how God has been able to work uh, through uh, taking care of Emily's health. Uh, we've seen how God has been able to work uh, in the ways in which um, we've been able to 
to, to serve at church during, during this this period. And we've even this most recent time, you know, within a couple, within almost a week of finding out that we weren't able to go, um, I found out that uh, a, a, a friend's wife uh, was on, well, at the time she, she was on, um, she was, she was sick, but then within a couple weeks after that, she passed away. And so, um, you, you know, it was, it was tough. It was really hard, but then also to be thankful that God allowed us still to be in country in, in the U S um, and to be able to grieve with uh, our community as opposed to grieving, you know, by ourselves elsewhere, uh, was really a gift to us. Um, and so I, th- I think looking back, you know, there's been a lot of frustration, but but there's also been uh, so many examples of God's faithfulness and God's work uh, in and through our lives that that we are so thankful for over this past year. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, do you guys have any words of encouragement? Because I know this season is not easy for for folks. Um, a lot of people are going through hard times, and it is it is a difficult time. And a lot of people have things that are on hold or hope deferred, or are go- or walking through either depression or disappointment, frustration. What are some encouragements that you could? offer some of um, our listeners Mm. yeah I think something that I've been reflecting on and processing on uh, in is uh, one I, I think I think I've been learning to lament and you know there are many psalms that help us lament but I say this because I think there is a lot of loss, right? A lot of grief. And I, and you know, yes, we're going to Japan and there's a lot of things that change in our life, but that is true for many, many, many of us in this season, right? Like, even if it was like something very minor, right? Like an event you couldn't go to or somebody got very sick um, or sudden change, you know, I, I know there's some mom friends I have who are just it's so hard, right? When your kids are suddenly home again, like, and you have to do your full-time job and your full-time ministry. I think lamenting is something I, I, I've been really processing and like grieving it, praying it, sharing it with your community, I think is really important. So lamenting, sharing with your community. And, um, you know, I, I was feeling pretty blue, I think, in January, right after we found out we couldn't go. And I think one of the things that like God really revealed to me and encouraged me in was kind of the, a community of people who understand, right? Like also be there for each other, right? Like listen to each other and be reminded that you don't walk alone. Uh, our community is really important in the church, right? God did not intend for each of us to be siloed here on this earth. He created us for a relationship. And so um, recently I've been really reflecting on um, Hebrews 12, right? That we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses and they should run the race with endurance. I think that lately has encapsulated um, an encouragement that I've been holding on to. Uh, I've been holding on to because, yeah, we will lament, we grieve, it's tough, we live by faith, but we're also with each other, and this is how we run the race together. 
for me, uh, I shared in our last prayer letter at the end of December, um, a verse from the, uh, the end of Psalm 27, uh, verse 14, which says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And I think God has really been teaching me during this season what it means to wait for him and to wait on his faithfulness. And I think sometimes it's when we read these passages, you know, when things are going well, uh, when, when, when mental health wise, we're doing great, when relationally with other people, we're doing great, when, when life is going well, then it seems like the concept of waiting on the Lord is easy. But then on the flip side, there's not much we're necessarily waiting for because we feel, we feel like things are going well. Um, and it's really when things are hard, um, that the meaning of waiting, uh, becomes all the more, uh, real and all the more clear. Uh, and in some ways it's, it's really when things are hard, when, when you're, when you're in the midst of depression or when you're in the midst of just feeling like you don't have that spiritual connection with God, perhaps, or, or relational connection with other people or any kind of kind of connection with anything, um, that, that our faith really is made even more sure and our, our, that we can become even more confident in terms of that our faith is real. Because uh, if we claim to have faith and things are going well, then how do we know that our faith is actually faith? It's only in those times when, when we're broken and when, and when we feel like there's nowhere else to turn that we can really see how God has been working in our hearts and has been growing our faith in us. Um, I was reflecting this morning how, um, you know, when we think about the idea of, Yes, God is in control. With, with with it's easy to say this about the big things, right? Like, like yes, God will one day bring His kingdom fully on this earth. I, I trust in that and I believe in that. Um, but when when it's it's when push comes to shove and there's something right immediately in front of your face, where it's a lot harder to cling on to that faith, and where it's a lot harder uh, to to develop that mindset of of waiting on the Lord. And, and so for me, um, I think this past year has been kind of God training me and us uh, to learn what it means, this verse, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. And some of that is is conviction of faith that God is faithful. Some of that also is uh, uh, cultivating a mindset of, of remembering, of remember, you know, it, it, some, sometimes when you're in those valleys, uh, the peaks seem so far away that in the past that you've been on. And yet, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature to just be so forgetful about what, what God has done in the past. It's so it's human nature just to be just not to remember. I mean, we see this in Exodus where God brings them, brings Israel through the Red Sea. And then not even like a couple weeks later, Moses disappears for like a week. And then they decide to build a golden calf and worship the golden calf. And, it, it, you know, it's our, our human nature to forget the amazing things that God has done when things are difficult. And so I, I think God has also been working in me to remind me about the importance of remembering the, remember, the, the importance of remembering how God has been faithful to us in the past. God's faithfulness, you know, for all of us who are Christians, God's faithfulness in, in bringing us to Christ in the first place and all the other ways God has been faithful to us each individually, uh, uniquely and in many different ways. And so I think that's a big part of waiting on the Lord too, waiting with faith not just because it's a blind faith, but waiting with faith because of also what God has done already in the past. Yeah, thank you so much um, for sharing that because I think the concept of waiting is something that I think intellectually people understand, but it's actually experiencing it that 
it just like goes so much deeper within the soul, like what it means to wait on the Lord and knowing, like experiencing his goodness, even in midst of waiting through loss, through grief, through frustration. Um, yeah. So thank you so much um, for sharing that. And to, to wrap up this episode, Chris, do you mind saying a prayer for the folks who are listening, who might be just going through um, a season of, of waiting and especially for folks who don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, I love for you to just pray a prayer over our audience as well as from people all across the world that need a little bit more hope, need a little bit more um, like partnership with the body of Christ of being like, hey, like I'm weak in my hope right now. Like, can I rely, can I borrow a little bit? So not borrow, but like, can I, can I lean on you a little bit? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, let's pray. Father God, uh, you are the holy, holy, holy God. The God who has created the cosmos, the God who has created the world, the God who has created us. You are the God who sustains all things. Uh, you are the God who holds all of creation in your hands. And yet, Lord, um, there are times where we lose sight of who you are. We lose sight of your immense, great love for us as shown as you demonstrated for us on the cross. Uh, Lord, we lose sight of these things and we find ourselves uh, due to circumstances, um, due to uh, other situations, uh, due, due to uh, mental health, due to uh, many different possible circumstances, Lord. We find ourselves in depression or we find ourselves in stagnation or we find ourselves unable to, to feel you, God, uh, unable to, to find joy, unable to find hope, um, unable to find uh, peace. Uh, we find ourselves yearning for uh, for something that that seems just outside of our grasp, Lord. And during these times, Lord, we know that you call us to turn to you, and yet sometimes you just seem so far away, Lord, that as we seek to turn towards you, uh, we find ourselves unable to find you. And yet, Lord, we cling to this truth um, that you have promised to be with us always that you have promised that your presence will be with us uh, until the end of the age. You have promised that you will not abandon us, that even when we cannot feel that you are there, that you are there, Lord. And so we cling to this promise by faith, Lord, um, that when we don't feel that we know that you are there, Lord, that we, when we don't sense your love, Lord, we remember that you have called us your beloved, that you have called us um, your children, that you have called us your sons and daughters. Lord, when we face this dark night of the soul, um, may you help us to take, uh, take these times as an opportunity to grow in faith, Lord. Um, to know that our faith is not just sustained by all the highs that life brings us, um, but that our faith is confirmed and, and built uh, even through all those valleys, Lord that as we go through those valleys, um, as we go through uh, even the deepest, darkest valley, Lord, um, that even there, your staff and your rod, they're guiding us, they're comforting us, and they are 
bringing us uh, forward uh, to, with the hope of eternal glory. And so as we, as, as we and as others and as many struggle during this pandemic, and even, when, when, even before and after this pandemic, Lord, uh, through many different circumstances, God, as we seek to turn our face towards you, we pray that you would hear our cries. We pray that you would turn your face towards us as well, that you would show and demonstrate your faithfulness to us, Lord, that you have promised us, um, and that you would give us the hope of knowing uh, that you are sovereign, that you are in control, that you love us, that you are good, that you care for us, and that you hold all these burdens that we feel on our shoulders, Lord, that you are you are the one who took all these burdens and all of our sin upon you on the cross. And that as we seek after you, Lord, that you would make fully known to us how your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, help us to rest, help us to lean into you, help us to rest in the comfort of your arms. Knowing that you, more so than anyone else in, in, in all of uh, creation, Lord, uh, loves us and cares for us and holds us in your arms forever and ever. We thank you, Lord. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. Um, thank you, Chris, for praying. And thank you guys so much for being a guest or guest on this episode. Um, I truly appreciate finding more about your story and your journey. And thank you so much for not being scared to like talk about um, just like deep, darker emotions and the valleys that you guys have been through. I really, really appreciate that. And at the same time, I also want to make room for some fun and whimsy. Um, <laughs> and I ask this for all my guests um, as a last question. Um, what is something that is Japanesey that you absolutely cannot live without? So it can be like a type of food. It can be like a phrase. It can be Shiba Inus or Daiso or Sakura, anything, anything. It can be fun. It can be silly. It can be, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, for me, it's definitely going to be the food. Do you have There's a so much type? Japanese food that I love. Oh, I know. <laughs> if you had yeah. to pick three, you can you can pick three. I can pick three. Three types yes. of food or three things? <laughs> uh, three things. Let's narrow it down. <laughs> I would probably pick three types of food, to be honest. <laughs> okay, what type? What type? Uh, sushi. Mm, sushi's good. Ramen. Tonkatsu. <laughs> Yeah. Actually, there's many things I do love. I mean, I I I think the uh, I think there's a lot of beauty that uh, it's hard to say. I would I wouldn't be able to live without it. That's that's tough. <laughs> there's beauty in a lot of the art. I really love um, a lot of the paper designs and things like that. But yeah, absolutely cannot live without that. That's a little <laughs> that, that's a high bar. <laughs> Maybe things that I would be sad if I lost. How's that? Okay, there um, we go. There we go. Uh, yeah, I'd be sad if I could never have another bowl of ramen again. That'd oh, I know. That would be um, really sad. 
And I've really grown to like Japanese pens. <laughs> Ooh, do you have a favorite brand? Oh, he does. What's the, I, where's you your, know, where's your pen? Forget. You have this box of pens right here. Yeah. I, so this is how sad I am. Like, I know I can buy these in Japan, but I, I, I ended up ordering a box of 10 just because I couldn't bear to live with them. What, what am I using right now? I'm using Uniball Signo. Oh, those are, those are great. They're like the zero, is it 0 0.5 or is it? 0 0.38. Ooh, <laughs> fancy. Thank you guys so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And I hope you guys have fun. Thanks so much for inviting us. This was a lot of fun. Thank you. That is it for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you enjoy the podcast today, or if you enjoy the show, feel free to leave a comment on iTunes or Spotify and please rate us. This helps other people find the show and we just really appreciate all of your love and support. Thank you so much. Until next time. Bye.